Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 14 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff Armstrong, and today we are reading chapter 14 of Bringing Balance, a book I wrote in a month. Uh, If you want to contact me at the old podcast here, you can go to my website at jeffreadshisbook.com, and there's a few ways to contact me right there on the side, and I will talk about those as we approach the end of today's episode. Yes, so after uh, last week, I did actually get some feedback from, guess who? That's right, my wife, the only person who answers my discussion questions. So she sent in her chapter 12 answers. That was because she didn't know chapter 12. uh, What did I want to say? She listened to it late, so we didn't have any chapter 12 answers last week. So let's go ahead and see what she has to say with chapter 12. Uh, My first question... Would you wear flats with a gown? Her answer was, most definitely, unless my date is my height or shorter. Don't want him to feel awkward, of course. I'd be... Oh, oh, okay. Don't want him to feel awkward. Of course, I'd be dating my nephew because that's the only man in my life who's shorter than me. That's right. My wife is a bit on the short side, but she's very cute. So it's all good. Uh, What was the second one? Ooh, so that was Frederick's third appearance in episode 12, or chapter 12, right? So uh, we had a, uh, how many more times are we going to see Frederick? I think the over-under was one and a half, right? Um, What does she say? Uh, She says, I predict Frederick will appear at least one more time. And she said she's already reading chapter 13. I think listening to chapter 13 actually is what she meant. So anyway, Frederick did make an appearance in Chapter 13. So if we have one more, we're on the over side of that. So, But you already placed your bets as of Episode 12, so that's a done deal. No changing it now, right? And what was the third question here? Ooh, how hunky is Steven, right? And then her response, Steven is hunky. Is he the one who used the feedback loop? Because that's hunky brain... That's brain hunky, too. Well... That wasn't him. That was Henry. He was the one who did that, but Stephen was there. So we don't have any proof that Stephen's brain hunky yet, but we'll have to keep that in mind. We'll look out for it, right? He doesn't seem to be a dum-dum, but he does seem to be very, very hunky, right? Yes, that's the only feedback we have this week. Um, You know what? I always check my iTunes rating. I have a Macintosh, so I guess I can open iTunes. Um, But... Like, it always says there's not enough things to see, like, uh, a review of it. I get the little popularity bars. I don't know what the hell those mean. I I guess that's, like, per episode how popular they are. I don't know what that measures it against, though. They seem high. I don't know what that means. Whatever, right? But no review yet. I'm really annoyed that there's not, like, a star rating yet. So, um, if you could look at reviews, I don't know. Can you look at reviews? I could check right now because I'm recording on the Mac, but I'm not going to bother. Um, my wife did leave one finally, so we'll have to see what she said. It was pretty hilarious. Maybe next week I'll read it when I remember to actually open iTunes before I record this. But uh, that would be some fun feedback too, though, if I get like comments on there. Uh, if you leave me a comment on basically anything else, I'm never going to see it because 
I don't even know how to log into those. Like, uh, I guess maybe like TuneIn or Stitcher or something I'd see it on. I'm on Google Play Music or whatever the crap their podcast system is. I don't even think I can link to that page. I don't, whatever. It's so dumb. Google sucks, by the way, just in case you didn't know. Google and Amazon, they both blow. But that said, if you're really enjoying this podcast, go over to Amazon and buy a copy of Bringing Balance and read along with us. And that way you can experience all the formatting errors. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I was going to say we are in November, so we are deep into National Novel Writing Month. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday, so this should be day four of National Novel Writing Month. Just to give you guys an idea of the scale you need to write at, by day four, you should be at 6,800 words written of a book. That's absurd. Yes. You cross 10,000 so damn quick. In fact, yeah, you should, when I release this on Tuesday, I'm guessing, right? Uh, you should be past 10,000 words written. That's insane, right? But you guys got to try it sometime. It's insane. I love it. I love it. And that's the whole reason we have this delightful book and this delightful chapter we're reading today, chapter 14. So I did peruse it real quick. It appears to be seven pages long, so we're back to maybe a not-so-long chapter. Uh, From what I could tell by flipping through it, it's going to be exceptionally dull. So maybe there'll be some character development. And here's a surprise, no walking. Uh, If you remember last week, they got a coach. Janie booked them a coach, and so they're going to be riding in a coach. I don't know why I keep saying that. It's like I'm reading my book right now. Uh, So they won't be walking. I really thought there were going to be like multiple chapters of them just stumbling around down roads, and that really didn't seem to manifest itself, did it? I, I feel a little better about my book after reading it out loud, you know? So why don't we go ahead and see what type of boredom I did lay on the pages, as we dive into chapter 14. So today while I read this, I'm going to be sipping on a delicious glass of Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey on the rocks. It is fantastic. Mm. I really like Wild Turkey. It might be one of my second, maybe my second favorite bourbon. You know what? It's very... uh cheap, but it's very nicely made. The name makes it sound like it's going to be garbage, you know, like old rot gut stuff, but anything that says straight bourbon, you're pretty safe on. So I got to say, wild turkey's pretty fabulous. I usually opt for the 101 because, I don't know, it's pretty awesome. But uh, the, I'd say the regular wild turkey, I think comes in at like 81 proof, maybe 84 proof, something like that. More like other bourbons, you know what I mean? Uh, it's it's delicious. It's delicious, and it was on sale in the state of Ohio this uh, month. So I think I'll probably end up buying another bottle of this before it's over. But today, I will be sipping it and enjoying it while we read. And you know what? I think there might only be one drinking break in this whole chapter, which is very annoying. Hmm. So I better pregame it, huh? All right. Let's go. All right. Traveling by coach is much better than walking everywhere, Erin stated. She was happy to have a rest from the long, tedious hiking they had been subjected to prior to this leg of their adventure. I don't know. That first sentence makes me sound like I started this in the morning all full of good intentions. Lots of big words. It's well thought out. Yeah. 
Anyway. The horse pulled them along far faster than they could have walked, and she figured that they had to be making up four or five times the distance in a day's travel. Nobody disagreed with her statement. Margot and Henry both took advantage of the coach ride extensively, nodding off at various times. That's how you take advantage of it extensively. (laughs) They could hardly be blamed, as both nearly died on multiple occasions during the previous two days. Aaron and Stephen stayed awake for the most part. Stephen was especially amused when Aaron explained that a ride in a horse-draw carriage was usually considered a romantic luxury in her world. Wow. So, that good writing really fell apart quick by the second paragraph. (laughs) Horse-draw carriage? Ah, come on. I do usually consider a (laughs) lot. Okay, sorry, sorry. That sentence was bad, sorry. So how do you normally get around, he asked out of curiosity. Cars, she said. Seeing the confusion on his face, she explained. Cars are machines. They run on gas, a liquid, and you can drive them. I guess they used to be called horseless carriages, but that was like a hundred years ago. Did you have a car? Sure, lots of people do. Sounds very strange, he admitted. Not strange, just different, she corrected him. Imagine how I feel in this world. Magic is considered imaginary where I'm from. They have magicians, but they are only for entertainment and only do tricks, not real magic like those two. She pointed at Henry and Margot, who lay slumped against each other. Page turn, sorry. Stephen looked around at the lands passing as the coach rolled along. I suppose you're right. This place must be very strange to you. You've never been to the world of science, she asked. (laughs) No, there was some talk of it when I was a young boy, I remember. He said, sorry. You know what? Let's let's slow down for a second. I'm having a lot of trouble reading today. I'm distracted. I think I'm getting too excited about uh, what I'm reading or what's coming up in this book, maybe. Hmm. I imagine all my listeners are, too. They're so excited about what's going to happen in this book. All right, let me go again. Here we go. No, there was some talk of it when I was a young boy, I remember. I vaguely remember my mother discussing it with family, but deciding to stay in a village. We moved a lot when I was a kid, but eventually I ended up where you found me. Did you live in the city we're headed towards, too? That actually, if you read it, it makes sense. It sounds like it's a typo, but it's not. Like, the two is also, you know what I mean? All right. Goliath? Yeah, I lived there until I was eight or nine. Then my mother took me away to the countryside. Why? Aaron asked sincerely. Stephen squirmed, apparently uncomfortable with the question. I'm sorry, you don't have to explain. No, it's all right, Stephen said. My father, I guess, started getting angry all the time. I don't really know how to explain it, but my mother up and left, taking me with her. He never tried to find us. Oh, I'm sorry, she apologized again. No, don't be. I had a wonderful upbringing, he said, trying to lighten the mood. Well, when all this is over, I will bring you to my world so you can experience it. I insist, she said, patting his leg. With you as a guide, it would be my pleasure, he replied. Oh, were they in love? <laughs> Drinking break. Mm. 
Uh, all right. In the early afternoon, the coach stopped briefly at an inn to allow the passengers to relieve themselves and possibly grab some food. So does the inn have bathrooms? Interesting. I didn't ever think of that. Well, I mean, I... Whatever. I guess I thought of it. I wrote the damn book. Margot had been awake and nudged Henry off her shoulder. He shook his head and looked around confused. We're stopping. Do you want anything? She asked him. Aaron and Stephen had already hopped out of the coach. Uh, no, I'm good, he yawned. Uh, no, I'm good, he yawned. Margot jumped out of the coach and walked towards the inn, glad to be able to finally stretch her legs. The inn they had stopped at was not in a village, but rather was one of the increasingly frequent freestanding inns meant to provide evening shelter for travelers heading into or out of Eliath. A few coaches and horses were tied to posts around the building, implying a number of visitors were inside, resting or stopping momentarily like herself. There was nothing particularly special about the two-story inn. As she walked to the front door, though, a sign posted caught her eye. She stepped around a pillar to read it. What? Why? What? Okay. She stepped around a pillar to read it in case it was a wanted poster or something similar. What the hell does that even mean? Is she hiding behind a pillar? Uh, okay. <laughs> let's let's work through this. She stepped around a pillar to read it in case it was a wanted poster or something similar. I really don't know what I'm going for on that sentence. Instead, the sign just asked patrons to leave their coaches on the side or the rear of the building. Ah, oh, thank God, right? Margot walked inside the dark dining area of the inn. A handful of people occupied the tables and bar. She saw her two companions standing at the bar waiting. She walked over to them. Did you order something, she asked. Just some cider and some cookies, Aaron said. <laughs> was there anything else you wanted? I was probably trying to think of snacks, you know. I don't think, like, if you stop at a rest area, you're probably not going to get cookies because they have Doritos in a bag. But I guess they wouldn't have them in the world of magic, would they? Would they have, like, chips? Potato chips, you think? Ooh! Guess what's a discussion question? Mm-hmm. Chips. Perfect. All right. Okay. Let's see here. Margot shook her head and began wandering around the inn. She was drawn to a bulletin board near the door and began perusing the contents. Most were advertisements for various services, trade mages specializing in rodent removal, plumbing, and other miscellaneous tasks. <laughs> there were advertisements for bands and musicians that she found far more interesting. Margot, we're all set, Erin said as she passed by, carrying, carrying sack of what were presumably cookies. <laughs> I guess I meant carrying a sack. <laughs> Okay, she said, moving to follow them. However, as she did, at the end of the bull the end of the bulletin board delayed her. A much larger poster how big was this bulletin board that she didn't notice this? Ugh. A much larger poster had the Magistrate's M and a Crow logo with a title reading Current Criminals. She quickly perused the pictures of wanted peoples, and her heart sank as she saw the last two freshly added pictures. Both her own and Henry's faces stared back at her. 
She jogged back to the coach and jumped in next to Henry. The three had already started in on the cookies, and the driver began to pull away as soon as she was seated. Henry, they've issued a warrant for us, she said in a panic. This statement snapped Henry awake. For all four of us, he asked, surprised. No, just you and I, she said. Oh, he said, relaxing noticeably. That's not so bad. Wouldn't be the first time. Oh, he's one cool cucumber, huh? All right, I don't know. All right, so we just switched pages, and I don't know if it is a drinking break. I think the safe thing to do is to drink. Hmm. Okay. As late afternoon approached, the city of Eliath could be seen growing in the distance. At first, only a small number of spires were visible over the horizon. With every step the horse took, though, more buildings could be seen until the sprawl of the city was plainly visible. Traffic on the road along which they traveled became noticeably greater as well. The road widened into multiple lanes, although there were no painted lines to indicate where exactly drivers should keep their carts. Large farms lined the road into the city, and Henry couldn't help but notice the occasional dark patches in the fields. Would it be plural? Notice the... Yeah, I guess that's fine. I don't know. Seems kind of awkward. You know, notice the occasional dark patches in the fields. I guess that's fine. I was kind of think the occasional dark patch in the fields, but whatever. So I guess that was a drinking break because this is now in like Henry's perspective. Yeah. All right. That must be the blight, he said, pointing at a particularly large, desolate area surrounded by a low-growing crop. It looks just like the land around the temple, Aaron added. Henry asked the driver where exactly they were headed. Miss Janie gave me this address, he said, handing Henry a piece of paper. He read the address, but it meant nothing to him. He handed it back. She says it is the home of a sympathizer, he explained and winked. Henry was starting to get the anxiety that he once had known well when he had fought against the magistrates. He always felt there was a considerable amount of stress involved with simply talking with people who might be part of a trap at worst or simply unwilling to help. He decided to leave the talking to Margot. As the coach pulled to a halt outside a wooden house on the outskirts of the city just off the main thoroughfare, Oh, I read that completely wrong. All right. <clears throat> There's no as. All right. The coach pulled to a halt outside a wooden house on the outskirts of the city just off the main thoroughfare. My laundry is done because I heard a buzzer. All four disembarked from the coach and walked towards the tall, narrow home. As Margot made her way up the five steps to the front door, a voice from the corner of the house caught Henry's attention. Looking over, a man about his age was calling them over. That's, oh god, uh, over here, this way, he said. It's a lot of over in this. It's very annoying. <laughs> Looking over, man, was calling them over, over here, this way. <laughs> this is so hard to read. Uh, it's bad. Henry led the way, his defenses on alert around the calling stranger. He followed him around the bright red building to the side of the house, where the man introduced himself. My name is Wilson, and this is my home, he said. 
I'm Henry. Hi, I'm Henry. Henry McCallum, of course. I know who you are. You're a bit of a legend within the Resistance, Wilson said, shaking his hand vigorously. And, of course, this must be the lovely Margot Lafleur, he added. Turning to Margot, you're far more stunning than the stories let on. Hello, Margot said, unaffected by the compliment. And your two companions, Wilson asked. I'm Stephen, and this is Aaron, Stephen said. Aaron waved at the man. Wonderful! Please come in! My wife is fixing a delightful dinner, he said, without capitalizing my. <laughs> and led them down a small staircase and into the home. Henry could hear the coach outside pulling away. The room inside was a cozy kitchen, oddly located in the basement of the home. I feel like that's not actually odd. You know, uh, we just, uh, this past summer, we went to Thomas Edison's birthplace or the house he grew up in or something, whatever. doesn't matter. But I want to say that the kitchen was in the basement there, too. I don't know. It seemed like it. But you know what else was there? A peacock, and that was pretty awesome. Just walking around. Who knew there were peacocks in Ohio? Free-range peacocks. Is that like a North American bird? I don't know where you get peacocks. Huh. They seem kind of big, too. Do you think you could eat them like turkey? Should have put that in the book that they ate peacock for dinner. That would have been awesome. All right, let's keep going. Um, a fire burned in the hearth with a large cast-iron pot bubbling over it. Evidence of chopped vegetables lay across the table nearby the hearth. You know what? There's a lot of stew in the world of magic. Doesn't there seem to be? Oof. Oh, Marissa, we have some visitors, he called upon entering. I'm coming, dear, a woman called from an open doorway. A short brunette woman, who was clearly pregnant, walked into the room with her hand upon her belly. She wore a comically ineffective apron, and her hair was pulled back, giving the impression that she had been cooking for hours. Welcome, everyone, she announced. Please sit down. Sit down. Oh, please, sit down, sit down. I think that is more along the lines of what she was trying to say. I'm Marissa, and I guess you've met Wilson. Um, yes, I'm Henry, and this is Henry Began Before Being Interrupted Once Again. Margot, of course, there's been a lot of talk amongst the Resistance about the two of you in the last few days. She said, you've become minor celebrities, along with your two mystery companions. I'm Aaron, and this is Stephen, Aaron said on cue. It's wonderful to meet you. You all must be exhausted. Please sit, and I'll fix you all some dinner, she said. The four awkwardly proceeded to a table to sit down. Aaron whispered to Henry as they walked. We shouldn't be... We shouldn't be here. That woman is pregnant, and we're putting her and her child in danger. I know, I know, Henry replied. I'm going to assume he was whispering, too. Don't be silly, Wilson said, apparently able to hear better than Aaron had estimated. We're in no more danger than usual. Page turn, and it's our choice. Actually, we're probably safer with you four here. I guess you've been busy causing quite a ruckus on your journey. <laughs> How did you hear anything? Stephen asked. Everything's only happened in the last few days. Well, when Margot was captured in a battle, that news was posted quickly by the magistrates. Her escape was not publicized by them, of course. 
Wilson explained as he carried bowls over to the table in front of the hearth. So not the one they're sitting at. All right. And news travels fast, Marissa continue, <laughs> as she ladled a rich-smelling soup into bowls. So the defeat of the Elder Mage, the battle where you four dispatched a small armed force during Margot's escape, and the final destruction of a relic were all carried by magic and word of mouth to Eliath quickly. It's been a long time since we've had encouraging news. The couple brought bowls and drinks to the four before joining them around the table. Looking at Stephen and Aaron, Wilson said, You two have been the subject of much conjecture. Ooh, big word. We've only heard that an off-worlder, an off-worlder and a sturdy young man have been partially responsible for these feats as well. Stephen blushed slightly, smiling in embarrassment at the attention. Aaron explained, I don't know how responsible I am for any feats. Ah, perhaps not, Wilson said, but you are the biggest mystery. When are you due, Marissa? Aaron asked, attempting to change the subject. She rubbed her protruding belly <laughs> and replied, About a month or so, we're both very excited. Scared, but excited. Have you chosen names? Aaron asked. Not yet. We have some in mind, though both a boy's name and a girl's name that might refer to some heroes of ours, Wilson said, winking at Henry. Oh boy, muttered Henry muttered. Never considered himself any type of hero. Stephen, you look very familiar, Marissa said suddenly. Ooh, foreshadowing. Is that so, he said. Can't put my finger on it. I feel like I've seen your face somewhere before. Maybe you look like someone. I don't know, Marissa said. She studied him a while longer. I haven't been in the city since I was a young boy, he explained. I doubt we've met before. She raised her eyebrows as if a thought struck her, but she didn't verbalize it. Regardless, you can all stay as long as you'd like. You can even come back here as often as you'd like if you have business in the city, Wilson offered. And if you need manpower for any sort of operation, feel free to ask. We do have some connections in the city. His wife nodded in agreement. Both Henry and Aaron prepared to protest, but Margot jumped in ahead of them. Thank you very much for your hospitality. We'll be delighted to stay here the night and maybe the next as well, if you'll have us. And hopefully more, exclaimed the pregnant woman. When you're done with dinner, we can show you to your rooms for the night. But first, you all really must tell us the story of your travels firsthand, Wilson said, smiling. The four took turns that evening, telling the tale of their journey so far, complete with joking and laughing, and to their, to their enraptured audience of two. <laughs> enraptured, huh? <laughs> All right, and that ends chapter 14. Let's have a sip as we fade out, huh? Well, that was, I guess, a... Not much happened in that chapter, did it? Like, they wrote, they had a coach ride, and they stopped at somebody's house. Ooh, so we did meet two new characters, Wilson and Marissa. I guess those names aren't particularly bad, right? Better than Ella and Gwen, I think. Oof, I guess. And Janie. Janie was atrocious. That still bugs me that that's a name in this book. <laughs> anyway, uh, I did want... Okay, 
I wanted to get some opinions, though, as anybody who's written anything, is a while a word? Like, all one word, A-W-H-I-L-E. Is that a word? I think it's a word. I don't know when to, or is it A space while? I haven't seen you in a while. Is that, how many letters is that? Is there a space in there? I don't know. You should write in and tell me. That's not a discussion question. I'm just not sure. And I do like that I used enraptured audience. I think we need to look and see if enraptured is a word. Let's, uh, can you go to like, you know, this is going to make my audio drop out. Let me check on my phone, huh? Yeah, I don't have nice computers, just shitty ones. And so if I try to do anything while I'm recording this audio, it won't work. So let's look up enraptured. Enraptures, whatever. Enrapture. <laughs> Give intense pleasure or joy to. Uh, all right. I guess it works. <laughs> so, well, it was used at the very end of this chapter. Um, the four took turns that evening telling the tale of their journey so far, complete with joking and laughing, to their enraptured audience of two. So they were given intense pleasure or joy to? I guess so. That works, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Fine. 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 Past Jeff wrote a pretty good sentence right there. Yeah. <laughs> so we have two new characters, Wilson and Marissa. Huh? Very exciting. There's also whoever the hell's driving the coach, but we never learn his name. Surprising, because I had been on a little bit of a kick there of just naming everybody, but... Uh, I guess we didn't, right? All right, so I did give you a little bit of a preview with discussion questions. Oh, oh, wait, before we do discussion questions, huh, there was some foreshadowing there. Do you notice that? Marissa thinks Stephen looks like someone, and then she raised her eyebrows. I think she recognizes him, so what do you think he is? This is exciting. That's not a discussion question, though. I'm just pointing out that that was some well-written foreshadowing, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, don't worry. <laughs> so, all right, discussion questions. All right, question one. All right, and this goes back to that whole idea when they were stopping at the inn and getting cookies and cider, right? Do you think like, so in the world of science, we would stop and get Doritos at a rest area or uh, I know my wife would like this, some combos, am I right? But uh, do they have like the equivalent of potato chips or corn tortilla chips, you know? I don't know if they would have them. I guess because there's a few things that have to happen. Like, obviously, the ones we get are mass-produced if you stop at a rest area. And they probably wouldn't be mass-produced in the world of magic, although I suppose they could be from, like, a central bakery, and they'd be distributed down the road every morning, you know. And I guess you could put them in, like, paper bags. I think they have paper bags. They have paper in the world of magic. I bet they can make a bag out of it, too. So you get this, like, greasy sack of... Chips, I'm already, my mouth is already watering. This sounds amazing. But what do you think? Do you think they have potato chips in the world of magic? Or, even better question, do they have, like, flavored chips in the world of magic? Like, can I get sour cream and onion chips if I stop in an inn? Or, um, yeah, like nacho cheese Doritos. You know, obviously homemade, but still nacho cheese Doritos. Can I get those at an inn? I'm thinking with some magic, Yeah. I think you can turn cheese into a powdered form with a spell and then coat potato chips in it. or Well, not potato chips, corn tortillas. Although there's nothing to suggest they have corn in this world, huh? We don't really know yet. 
All right. Question two. Margot noticed finally the giant poster with pictures of her and Henry on it, right, as they were leaving that inn. So my question is, like, uh, what what kind of pictures are these? Are they, like, photograph pictures? Again, is it, like, Harry Potter style? Because they had, like, pictures in the newspaper there in Harry Potter, and they would move. I'm not suggesting these ones move. But would they be, like, a photograph? Or would they be, like, a drawing? Or would they be, like, a painting, like a portrait? I don't know. I don't know. Write in with what you think. I'm not sure. Okay, uh, question three. When they got to Wilson and Marissa's house, they sat down for some soup. So the third discussion question is, how sick of soup and stew would you be if you were trapped in the world of magic? They have that at literally every friggin' meal they stop for, unless they're just out on their own. But it's constantly soups and stews. Ugh. I think that's probably written this way because... I don't know. I'm always picturing, uh, like, uh, in Massachusetts, you can go to Sturbridge Village, old Sturbridge Village, and it's like a, uh, I don't know, it's supposed to be a village that's living that early 1800s lifestyle. So not pilgrims. Nobody's starving to death. And it's not like Colonial Williamsburg. It'd be after that. So, But uh, you know what I mean. They always just have, like, giant fireplaces with a large iron pot. So I don't even know. I guess they had like frying pans, but they never showed you how the hell they use them. Like, how would you use that in a fireplace? I don't have any idea. So I think when I wrote the book, I'm just like stew, 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 stew. Everybody's having stew. But uh, I, I guess, I guess they could like fry up something. Well, they had pancakes, right? They had magic pancakes last chapter. I will point out this stew though is not magical, right? Maybe that's the difference. All the stews aren't magical. Do you notice that? Interesting, huh? I'm just kidding. It's not interesting. So that is the end of episode 14, I think. Not much else to talk about. You know, I really thought there'd be a lot more super dull chapters in this book, and there aren't. This book moves along pretty okay. Chapter 15 looks like it's going to be a winner. Uh, But I still said I want to have guests on, so... I've been talking with my wife. We're going to try to get her on one of these episodes, and we'll switch back and forth between who's reading, who's not, and I think we can get that done. Uh, I haven't talked to my friend Glenn yet, but he's going to have to be hes going to have to be a, a uh, guest. He's the only other person I know personally that's read the damn book. So if you've read the book, though, you should write in and tell me, or if you buy the book. Remember, if you go to jeffreadsbook.com, There is a link to Amazon where you can buy the print version of this atrocity. Or you can get the ebook version where all the chapter numbers are wrong. Because Amazon sucks and I suck. But anyway, if you go to jeffreadsbook.com, you can find a few ways to contact me. And those include by email at jba at sdf.org. Or on Twitter at fortranjeff. Or if you're a dork on Mastodon at JBA at Mastodon.sdf.org. So I think that about does it today. Um, if you're doing National Novel Writing Month, I wish you the best of luck. And if you finish, you too could have a terrible podcast like this one. But if you're still working on it, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. You should probably be banging a book out right now. So... 
everybody else who's listening, and I'm not sure how many people that are, this is such an awkward closing. I really don't know how to just finish this podcast up, but why don't we just shut her down right now? So till next time, keep on reading. Keep on reading.